The following is a Podcast One Minnesota production. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Oh, you betcha, yeah. If it's made in Minnesota, who's making it and how? Yeah, you got that right. It's the makers of Minnesota, focusing on the products and services uniquely made in Minnesota, and conversations with the makers, entrepreneurs, and innovators in Minnesota about how they conceived of their products and how they brought them to market. With Stephanie Hansen, it's the makers of Minnesota. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Makers of Minnesota, episode 26. Yes, 26. It's hard to believe 26 episodes of all this greatness, but it's true. Um, We are talking to people that make things in the state of Minnesota. It can be uh, technology. It can be service businesses. It can be physical things. In the case of our guest today, we are actually talking about an apple, a very juicy, delicious apple that was presented to me right before the show came on. It was actually my lunch. I'm here with Don Roper. He is uh, the vice president of marketing and sales for Honey Bear Brands. They have developed a new apple that you will see in your grocery stores coming this fall, I would assume, or possibly it's in the grocery stores right now. Are you right now? You bet. All right. Yep. Uh, the apple is called Pazazz. That is P A Z A Z Z. And apple marketing and the apple business in the state of Minnesota and in the Twin Cities here has been really interesting with the advent of a lot of new apples that have been appearing over the course of five years or so. So I got your email introducing this apple. I was like, yeah, I want to find out about that. I want to find out who makes these apples. How do they get to market? What makes them think that they need to come up with a new apple? So welcome to the program. Well, uh, thank you. Thank you. Thanks yeah. So um, first of all, pizzazz it's already in stores can you describe the apple to me as you would market it uh sure um uh when we're visiting with customers in store uh i would tell you the number one thing that you experience with the pizzazz is it has so much flavor uh immediate flavor that when you bite into it you get a nice crisp crunch um it's got a a, almost uh, i would say an ideal blend of both acid and sweetness it's high bricks so that's a, a high sugar content and then it has a fair amount of starch in it, and the starch helps it store real well. So when you bring that apple out during this time, kind of the winter time frame, December, um, and then sell it all all the way through the spring, uh, it's a really strong apple because those starches convert to sugars. You still get a little bit of that acid uh, balance in there, and you just get this nice sweet uh, tang of an asshole, of a of an apple um, that just gives you a great great experience. When you have an apple that turns mushy. Is that because the starch content gets altered or because of temperature? Well, uh, a couple things that drive that. Uh, and what I would tell you, um, uh, probably the most important piece is the texture of the apple, the, it's, um, the cell structure of that apple. Uh, one thing that, um, you know, a, a great piece that you see with the, the honey crisp. You uh-huh. know, why is it always so crispy? Um, it's crispy almost uh, nearly all the time because of that cell structure. It's a light, delicate cell structure that allows it to snap apart, um, and that's a beautiful that's a beautiful piece that yeah. that you want to get into the apples. Um, other reasons that apples tend to lose that crispness is that they probably have been on the shelf too long. Um, sometimes that sugar starch content really starts to wane, yep. so the the strength of an apple doesn't go long. Um, there's really a um, an agronomic piece to apples in that there are early apples, there are mid season apples, and there are late. Uh, oh, that's late interesting. Um, all the apples are typically harvested in that September, October, and early November time frame. 
the ones that are harvested really early um, that we would be we'd be, fam- be familiar with here, uh, Paula Red or Macintosh, they don't tend to stay in the markets real long because they're so early that they can't they don't have the legs to make it later yep. in the season, and that's when you see some of the softer apples uh, at that point in time. Okay. Um, Typically, apples that are harvested a little bit later into the season, uh, mid-October and later, they're going to have a little bit more strength, stronger storage capability, and those are a lot of the apples that will carry uh, late into uh, the spring. So how long have you been growing apples? Uh, well, um, Honey Bear really is the marketing arm of uh, Westcott Orchards, uh, Westcott Agri-Products. Uh, it was a business started by my brother-in-law, uh, uh, Fred Westcott, okay. uh, back in the early 80s. Uh, uh, Fred's dad um, had uh, they had thirteen kids and he decided to put them to work so they planted an orchard um, and all the kids helped uh, help get that orchard up and running and then uh, when they actually started getting trees and a crop on there they had to figure out what to do to market it right and Fred was coming out of university and uh, uh, Fred said you know what I'm going to give this uh, give this apple marketing piece a whole run um, and so he started marketing apples from as a local grower the local retailers right down in the Elgin, Minnesota, Rochester area. How long ago was that? That was in the late 70s. Okay. So in the late 70s, so a little 40-acre orchard. Um, and the, and again, it was a piece, um, and you give Fred a lot of credit, a, a visionary. Yeah, um, I was just going to say that. Sounds like it was pretty unique for the time. Well, at the time, you know, at the time it was important. It was really the farms. It was almost all farm stand, but then they were bagging apples for the local retailers right there. And over time, there was enough fruit where you can say, okay, let's bring these to the retailers. Let's uh, let's really make this local crop go. Um, we have a long history in Minnesota with the local crop. Uh, yourself, myself, when we when we grow up, that's one of the first things uh, the teachers do for us. They take us on to tour out at the apple orchard, right? Yep. So we get brainwashed right away. Here are all these good local apples. Um, so there's an affinity. Uh, there's a loyalty. So the local crop has always been just a, a great piece of Minnesota. When um, did apple growing and marketing of apples become sexy? Uh, geez, well, the, the apple is sexy. Don't forget that. Um, <laughs> it seems like I just am aware of it the last five years, but it probably goes back further than that. You know what? Uh, it's the it's the forbidden fruit, right? It's uh, We've had it around forever. Um, I would tell you in the produce department, apples are such a big contributor to how produce departments are successful. So apples have always been a, a an exciting piece there. Um, when you say sexy, I some I don't I don't think of it as sexy. I think of you know we bring such a great unique product to market. There are so many different flavors, so many different textures that uh, you you have the opportunity to give mom and the kids um, something that's different uh, at many times a year. Okay, so in when I was a kid, we would get the there were two apples that I can remember really. There was the red delicious apple that was right. the classic right. sort of school teacher dark burgundy right. apple. Beautiful apple. Beautiful apple, maybe not as tasty as it could be. And then there was the cooking apple, which was the green apple. And you use the Granny Smith for your pies and that sort of thing. Then sometime in 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 the past here, all of a sudden we started to hear about these unique apples. And the University of Minnesota had this program and they developed the Honeycrisp apple. Correct. Correct. Was that... Tell me about the Honeycrisp apple and how that changed the apple industry and kind of changed what you guys are doing here sure. today. And you bet. I think uh, if you go back to when we grew up, 
uh, it was the Red Delicious, and um, all the Apple programs were really managed out of Washington State. So Washington grew these um, beautiful-looking Red Delicious. We always talk about the Red Delicious being a beautiful, sexy apple. Yep. It's got those high shoulders, the five bumps, and they made it black red, right? It was so red it was black. Yep. Um, it was a great apple for growers and for production because that apple was so red. You didn't see bruises on it. It stored fairly well, sure, and it can make a whole marketing season of not only twelve months. You can buy, you can grow that apple, and you can eat it eighteen months later. So all of a sudden, there was all this volume and this uh, variety. Red Delicious, Granny Smith, Goldells, uh, coming out of Washington, and those were the they were the category drivers for yep. many many years. Um, but what you saw is when we turned the apple category over to Washington, um, the local regional varieties that we'd have for one or two months. Uh, in the fall, they were great. We wanted them, and then they went back to Washington. And here at Red Dell Granny, we saw them in our schools. We put them on our trays, and we threw them away. We never ate them because yep. there was no flavor left to them. It wasn't about flavor. Um, and so the big piece that kind of changed the whole apple industry and happened 15 years ago, you hit it right on the head, was Honeycrisp. Because what they realized is that forever, mom would go into the grocery store. She would buy a bag of apples for $3, a five-pound bag of apples for $3, She'd take that bag of apples, bring them home, put them in the crisper. Um, the kids would eat one or two of them. Uh, they were they didn't have good flavor. Yep. They were mealy, and she threw half the bag away. Um, that's what we grew up with. That's yep. the exact apple we grew up with. So you go right into the into that or into the mid '80s, and all of a sudden the Honeycrisp comes out. Um, you bring this apple to market, and mom's got to pay almost the same amount of money uh, for three apples or four apples as she did for a five pound bag. She ate one of the apples on the way home. Her son gobbled up the apple on the way home. Dad had an apple. And then she was back at the grocery store three days later buying more Honeycrisp. And everyone said, well, why is she doing that? Why is mom doing that? And the really easy reason was flavor. It tasted good. We finally gave them flavor. Right. We were, we were letting, and what we were seeing with the apple trends at that time, pre-Honeycrisp, is we were seeing consumption go down. And um, all of a sudden, all these other flavorful um, uh, produce commodities, non-apples, you name it, um, uh, just just the different varieties, uh, commodities that are in the produce department, started taking share from the apple community. Right. And we don't want, we didn't want to lose that share, so it really sped up this. How do we bring great products to the produce department? So and so much of produce <clears throat> is marketing. Like I think of the clementines, the little halo oranges. Um, so much of that was a marketing campaign. The the navel oranges from Florida, Absolutely. so much of that was a marketing campaign. So now we've got this delicious apple, and it was developed by the University of Minnesota, but was it also marketed by them? Uh, no. You know, originally, um, uh, for many years, the University of Minnesota has been a a great partner of the um, of the Minnesota apple growers. Sure. If you look at if you look at Minnesota, we have uh, just a rich rich history. Um, we're probably the apple snobs of the U.S. Yep. I would tell you that we know our apples as as good as anyone. Um, and what happened is that way back when the University of Minnesota started their apple program, and you look at the varieties that we had, they go back to 1910. Some of them, and so forever they were developing these varieties that really helped support the Minnesota apple growers, um, and it, it helped make our um, our growing practices better. As Minnesota apple growers are the growing community, we were really the Petri dish to help them work with these different And to apples. incubate different incubate varieties. Incubate different sure. ideas. And, um, you know, they brought them to us. They were the they were the experts on helping us grow better and get better yields. Um, when the when the Honeycrisp came out uh, and when it was originally found, it kind of sat in dry dock for a while because they didn't know how good it was. And, and then really the local growers took it on. 
Uh, very difficult to grow. Probably the hardest apple to grow th- that there is in the whole U.S. Period. Why? Um, well, the the joke on it is what you'll hear is uh, you'll hear my brother-in-law Fred say it's the apple from hell. Um, it has a lot of attributes to it that make it very difficult to grow. Okay. Um, and so you have to be a good grower. You got to be committed to it. And so it, it's not an easy apple to grow like a gala. There's a lot of easy apple varieties to grow. Sure. And so you got to be dedicated to it and you got to put time and attention to it. But once you once you grow a good honey crisp, my gosh, compare that to a um, a red delicious or any variety out there, a gala. You go, this thing's incredible. So it became worth the time and the effort to grow it. Yeah, costs a lot more money to grow it. So it probably costs twice as much as it does to grow a honey crisp as it does a gala. It's and funny so when you, you got to pay more for it. It's funny when you talk about that because when I go to the store and I buy an apple. I know the apples that I'm buying are more expensive, but I rationalize it in my head exactly like you said. Like, well, if I'm going to eat it, right, then I may as well spend the money because I'm going to eat it and it's going to be a better product. Right. No, I agree, but it starts to scare you a little bit when you see them priced at three ninety nine a pound, and uh, you can buy meat in the meat department at three ninety nine a pound. Yeah. So, but no, I think the key thing is people will pay for flavor. So you get these flavorful apples, and Honeycrisp is a wild success, and these local growers are growing the apple, and they're looking for new apples to market. They're looking for new channels. Is there the is there shelf issues in the apple section? I mean, it only is so big, and how many apples can it support? Right. Yeah, nope, I, you, spot on, and I would tell you, you're asking the number one question the retailers are asking right now. Uh, they're looking at, you know, Fred and myself saying, hey, Don, Fred, there are so many new apple varieties coming, guys. How do we manage all this? Because if you back up into the supply chain, um, you know, they might have, they might have uh, let's say, 15, 20 skews of apples. There's another 15 or 20 new apple varieties coming. They yep. don't want to carry 30. They, you just can't do it. So um, uh, maybe a couple pieces on that. A lot of new apple varieties are coming. Um, you're seeing University of Minnesota put some out. You're seeing... Uh, private companies like yourself puts them out. You're seeing the state of Washington putting them out, uh, Cornell University putting them out. And that's unique that the private companies in Minnesota are starting to market and create the apples on their own. Yeah. Well, what I would tell you, kind of um, maybe a, a, a hand forced a little bit. Yep. Um, forever, again, the University of Minnesota has been really our research and development arm for yep. the Minnesota growers. Uh, but, you know, as time has evolved, uh, University of Minnesota has also taken a, a commercialization role as well. So um, they're creating varieties and they got to generate revenue for the University of Minnesota that then those varieties aren't really just uh, made for Minnesota growers. They're going to have homes in other um, uh, they're looking for buyers in other locations as well, meaning can they sell it to a Washington grower, packer, shipper, or a New York yep. grower, packer, shipper. So so you have you you have that model in place and. The growers in Minnesota, um, ourselves, for instance, uh, we look at it and we say, okay, well, we, you know, we don't necessarily want to wait for someone to come and give us a variety. So, you know, we're pretty active. We have our own R&D department, and we've taken tens of thousands of um, seeds, open, you know, open pollinated seeds, and have done that testing to find the next new variety. Sure. And the real, the real Thus reason the pizzazz. for that is, yeah, pizzazz is, an ex- is, is one example of it. River Bell's another. You know, we have probably 10 apples that are almost to that uh, ready-to-commercialize phase through our R&D program. And what we realize is that we gotta, um, we got to control our own destiny, too. Yep. And so how do we do that as a private enterprise and build out programs and products from there? 
And so if you're a grower, you might be getting Apple ideas from the university. You might be getting Apple ideas from Honey Bear Marketing. Is that correct? Correct. Um, what I would tell you is that uh, our company, Westcott Orchards, um, we have a collection of about 30 growers in Minnesota and Wisconsin. Okay. Um, and those growers are grower partners. You know, they're, yep. they're great people, great family farms, as local as it gets. Um, and they've been growing apples for us to sell wholesale to retailers our whole lives. Um, we have 30-year relationships with them. And so those are, the, those are also growers that we give them. We want to make sure that they're growing pizzazz and some of these other new varieties because there's an economic advantage to growing some of these new varieties. And we want to make sure that, we, that these family farms are sustainable and that they're able to plant crops that, at the end of the day, give them the grower returns to be in the business not only today but for their kids who want to get in the business as well. Let's talk about that for just a second, because so much of being on a farm and farming is predicted by the weather and also things like bees. Right. Do you, as you're doing research and development on an apple, are you thinking about, wow, is this something that bees can easily pollinate or not pollinate? Or are bees even pollinating apple trees anymore? I don't even honestly uh, know. Yes, yes, I think they are. they are. Yeah, no, we have to have the bees. So, you know, a really good questions. I would tell you that um, with the Mississippi, there are... Our, co- our marketing group of the 30 growers um, is branded our Mississippi Valley Fruit Company. You'll see that in all the grocery stores okay. here in the Twin Cities and Des Moines, uh, Chicago, uh, whatnot. But that group of growers, what we've done is we started a program called True Earth. And tr- the idea of True Earth is how do we grow our crops with the least amount of uh, pesticides, least am- amount of environmental impact, mm-hmm. least amount of energy, um, and one of the one of the tenets of what we do in there is, are we building around all of our orchards um, habitat for bees? Right. And so we do a pollinator study around all the orchards to say, guys, what are we doing, uh, uh, guys and gals? What are we doing each year to make sure we got a good buffer zone for these bees? Because the bees can't live at you know just for the um, the uh, flowering of the trees right. for two or three weeks. You need to have all the other range of um, of uh, Crop, not crops and plants. plants 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 flowers that, yeah that help the bees survive it's a difficult thing to do uh row crop agriculture um the corns the beans yep. have really taken so much of that um uh, environment away from the bees we still have to bring bees in to help pollinate our apples and it's an, a key important piece but um you know it's something that we're cognizant of we don't solve it on our own uh, but at least we're putting um you know putting a good footprint down to help support that in the future yeah, it's so funny how you're very dependent on things like weather. I mean, if you hear a lot of times uh, early freeze right in the in the fall, and then like the apple blossoms are the first thing to freeze, right? right. Well, okay, couple things. You're a couple at risk areas, right? Um, the spring when our blossoms come is a huge at risk area. If we get a frost, right, then we're basically you're basically done for the year. Happened, I think, three years ago. We had a really yeah. bad frost. Um, this season, after we after the apples actually were pollinated and they started to grow, we had a very late freeze. It probably knocked off knocked off half of our growers lost their crops this year. Um, so you have that risk in the uh, in the early spring. In the summer, probably the only true risk we have is hail. Yeah. Um, uh, the nice thing about Minnesota is we have really good Minnesota, Wisconsin, is we have great natural rainfall. We have great soils, healthy soils. Um, if you taste a honey crisp from Minnesota versus a honey crisp from Washington, there's I don't want to say there's night and day difference, but you can definitely tell a difference.
That's interesting because you hear about terroir in terms of wine, in terms of water used in sake. What you're telling me is that the soil is going to make a different tasting apple, even if I'm using the same seeds. Absolutely. Interesting. It's, it's, that's the absolute truth there. Yeah. Um, your other risk profile comes at the end at the end of the season when you're harvesting. And to your point, it's another freeze. Are you getting the apples off before it freezes? Um, now you jump out to Washington State. And in Washington State, almost all the apples are grown on the... They're grown on the lee side of the mountains, which is really desert land. Mm-hmm. So everything's irrigated. They still have frost concerns because they're on the same parallel we are we're at. Mm-hmm. Um, but they don't have the hail. Um, they don't have all. They don't have the natural bugs. Uh, rain causes a, a lot of fungus and bacteria. Yeah. So we fight those things that uh, out in Washington they don't fight. So when you look at the productivity of an orchard in Washington, it can be an easy 20, 30, 40 percent better than the productivity here you see in Minnesota or New York or Michigan. But the apples are better. Our apples here. are better. Don't yes. forget it. Don't forget that. Yeah. Okay. So the mm. pizzazz apple is a, is a new apple for you. Uh, is this, you know, you it's a family, started as a family company, and now you're representing 30 different families or 30 different right. grower operations, essentially. Correct. Um, is it, is it sexy? I keep using the word sexy because I can't think of a better word. So you go into a grocer and you're trying to market this new apple and you're trying to fight for shelf space, space and yep. w- how do you do that? Yeah, do you just yeah. have to like appeal to the guy who's buying the apples that day? Well, you know what? There's you, you're asking all the really hard questions we asked as a team uh, probably five six years ago as we're getting ready to bring the apple out. Um, the reality for us to try to self market to every mom out there. The, at the end of the day, mom's a yep. consumer. Um, don't pretend I am, right? Mom Mom is the one with the cart that's yep. making the purchase. But to market to every individual consumer is really difficult. That's yep. kind of B2C, right? Business to consumer. Yep. Um, we have to market to our retail partners. And so um, after you build relationships and you have the strength of success of what you do, you have strong enough trust in that retail partner to say, I want to share something with you. I want to show something to you that we think adds value. Now, what was really incumbent upon us is that you can't bring an apple into the marketplace that isn't any good. You can't pretend it's good, it's sexy. If yep. it's not, you, you yep. just you can't do it. So the big, and I would tell you out there, of these 15 new varieties, probably 13 and, 13 and a half of them, they're, they're not any good. And, you know, it's a tough statement to say, but what happens is that apple has to be really good. So what we did is we said, well, let's set the bar. If we're not going to be better than Honeycrisp, why are we wasting our time? Right. Honeycrisp had to be better than Gala. Gala had to be better than Red Delicious. Yep. Um, pizzazz has to be better than a Honeycrisp. Um, so it's a great, and it's a tough statement, right? Boy, how can that apple be better? Well, try it, is what I would say first. But I thought it was better, to be a, honest. And a, I think the Honeycrisp is a great apple. It's a great apple, and it saved the Minnesota apple growers. Yep. You know, knock on wood. You know, it's an important piece. But it saved the Minnesota apple growers. But we have to keep elevating it to that next stage because that's what our retail partners are looking for. So when they sit down and they understand the story too, they understand apples. They understand their category really well. They understand the story. So um, they say, you know what, we like it. Let's go try that thing. And what we've done, um, maybe a little bit different than some of the other people. I guess I don't know what the other people are doing, but sure. how we do it is we've been going right to our retail partners that we've had long-term relationships with. And we said, hey, let's test it together. You know, we don't have to go plant, you know, $2 million worth of orchards to test it. Let's do some small test orchards. Let's get it to the moms that are in your grocery store. So do you do like sampling? Oh, and... we are, we're the king we're the king of demos. Yep. We've done demos all over America with pizzazz. We've probably done 
close to three, 400 demos with pizzazz from Florida to Toronto to New York to California, literally all over the place. For the main question, for the last three years, we've been doing that to understand one question. Will this apple fly? Because if it isn't going to fly, we don't want to make the investments into the orchards. Because right. Because then, you know, if we make a mistake, we are stuck business. with all these literally apples no one wants to buy. Right. And I'm assuming people want to buy it. Absolutely correct. It's it's uh, pretty great. It's a good apple. Yeah. So, so then what we do is once we identify that good apple and you got a retail partner who's really been kind of sitting with you side by side, they're they're evaluating it just like we are. Sure. And they're saying, the, the retailer saying, hey, will this make a difference on my deck to my consumer? And if they believe it will help drive sales and make a difference for their consumer, they are going to push it as hard as they can. And at the end of the day, the real conduit to the consumer is the retailer. You know, they have the ability to put it in the best spot in the store, um, build the prettiest displays, price it at the right, you know, a great price to get yep. in your basket, do an ad with it, promote it. And so they're really the heavy lifters that help make it go. But it's our job to give them a great product that okay. really wins for them. So we are getting ready to wrap up. I'm here with Don Roper from Honey Bear Brands. He's the vice president of marketing, and we're talking about the Pizzazz Apple that you should check out in your grocer. Is there anything people listening to this podcast tend to be sort of entrepreneurial and they like to hear other people's stories? Are there anything you want them to know about Minnesota apples before we wrap up? Uh, you know what? Um, uh, there's a there's a renaissance going on in Minnesota apples right now. I think uh, when you look at all the new orchards that are going in with these new varieties that will help sustain and uh, make some of these orchards profitable, um, it's an exciting time for, for Minnesota growers. So I think that's probably, uh, to me, if we didn't have these varieties, um, uh, Stephanie, if we didn't have um, uh, Honeycrisp and these next generation varieties, um, you know what? We we might be looking at a dormant industry here in yeah. Minnesota. So thankfully we have it and we want to keep it alive and well. And we're farmers at heart. I mean, that's And exactly look for Minnesota-grown apples when Absolutely. you're in the store. Absolutely. I would say is another piece of that. All right. And tell your retailers, too, that you appreciate if there's a new apple and you see the guy stock in the fruit section, let them know. That probably helps them determine, like... Okay, we took a risk yeah. here. Our customers are happy. Yep, yep. Uh, I would tell you just just by going up to that produce manager and saying, "I really like this," or "Where can I find it?" You'd be surprised. It doesn't take many uh, requests like that to make things happen at at your your grocery store. All right. Well, it is the consumer voice that gets heard. Thank you for being here today. Thank you. Um, we really appreciate it. If you guys like these podcasts, make sure that you're sharing them with others. And it will allow us to keep producing more and hearing great stories like the story of the pizzazz apple. Um, it is a really great apple. I have a bag sitting there, so I'm excited to finish that up. We will see you all next week. Stay tuned for 60-second AP News headlines.